0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing chumba casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba casino is home to We are starting soon. It was a beautiful way, a beautiful interlude, a beautiful trip to Oslo, Norway, to Fargo, North Dakota, to Tokyo. And today here on Short Time in the Speakeasy, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, the shutterbug the sommelier himself, <laughs> Tony Rotundo. Tony, we've spent a lot of time together over the last couple months. We've had three masterful trips, three great events of wrestling, and today we're going to sit here and talk about it. Uh, without any wine, without any beverages. Although it is just past uh, one o'clock here in the Central Time Zone, so it, it it's very possible I could go into the Speakeasy fridge and get something out of here. All right, you you're welcome too. Well, I should. It's my it's it's my bar. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I go back and look at uh, when the last time you were on the show. Granted, we've been around each other for you know every event. It's it's pretty much. It's like okay. Where are we gonna find wine? Where are we gonna find some craft beer? Where are we gonna talk wrestling? Where are you gonna process photos? What has Wi Fi? Yeah, but we've we've got. It's been a year since International Podcast Day. Since you were last sitting in this chair in this situation, so welcome back to the Speakeasy and and, and welcome back to Short Time. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having so, me. It is uh, it, it is one thing that's it's quite remarkable is the amount of flyer miles we've put in over the last uh, last couple months for me for fargo though i can drive it's six turns from my house but uh let's just first of all start about uh you know the last couple of months what's it been like coming off of covid how 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 you're getting back to to shooting photography and and wrestling and getting back into the grind of things what's it been like for you
1: yeah it, well it has been a grind i mean um three major events that happened pretty close to each other uh it's been a lot of work but it's been an honor and uh and fun um it was my first fargo ever which is hard for even me to believe i'm not exactly sure how i'd never made it happen before but i probably won't miss another one uh but that was um that was shocking in terms of the amount of work uh and just the grind of that and then uh, prepping for the Olympics. Um, the Olympics was an honor to shoot. It was exciting, but also a lot of work. And then the Worlds right after. Um, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. Um, got a lot of good shots. Uh, you know the 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 folks I root for uh, have done pretty well in all three of those events. Um, so yeah, I've been
0: I've been enjoying it, but it's been a lot of hard work. Yeah, Fargo, this is something that's been, it's been part of my calendar for for almost, I think we're at 22, 23 years. Even the year we didn't go, I was still there. Uh, granted, my nephew got married in Fargo, so technically I was outside of the dome and the turf. I've made that uh, pretty much abundantly clear on social. But the first Fargo, this was not a thing um, that you competed in. Yet you did have a Cadet Silver back in the day. Uh, I believe it was, what, Missoula, Montana, Uh, I think you said you placed higher in the uh, Empire State Games than you did the Cadet World Championships, or was it vice versa? I'm not quite sure.
1: It was was more that the training, I wrestled Greco, and the training camp, basically, there was only one other competitor from Columbia. Um, So we trained for two weeks and the coach just it was every single it was two sessions a day and everyone was exactly the same and so super repetitive and it was a little bit like wax on wax off like the karate kid we didn't realize that he was developing these skills so um the the match i had uh at the actual competition, I got arm throwed twice. And that was pretty much the end of the match. But a uh, month later, I went to the Empire State Games and wrestled really well. And I got to, you know, really use some of the techniques that I had learned at the camp um, before the, before Cadet Worlds. I mean, at the time, it was more like just an international friendly, I would call it, right? It wasn't, it was like one mat and there were kids from Colombia and Italy, but it, it wasn't like, of full cadet worlds like we're seeing now um it but was you
0: more- are in the uw database yeah see if i can try yeah. that again
1: uww database <laughs> you're in there yeah i had no idea i was in there you were the one that found that um i, I didn't i don't even
0: know why i looked for it that's the one yeah. thing i'm wondering and i realized yeah. that my light wasn't even on to so get the bags out of the eyes but uh, uh, for those of you watching on video but yeah I, I don't know why i just randomly searched it i don't know if you said like yeah i wrestled in something one day and i just like well I wonder if it's in here and Boom! Lo and behold, uh, yeah. there it is. Now going into Fargo, we, we're we're in July here. We've got that to to deal with. We've got Tokyo in, in August, and then we've got Oslo in October. So we go back to July. It seems like forever ago. But what were you expecting going in? I mean, you've seen your your you know your, your colleagues in photography shoot this thing for years. But what was what were your impressions going in? And and what would you what were your first thoughts when you looked out and go, holy crap, twenty five plus mats.
1: Yeah, I, it would. I I went in with a lot of confidence that you know I I've done multiple mat tournaments before, you know U.S. Open type stuff where you're kind of running around. Um, so I went in a little cocky, <laughs> but uh, not just twenty five mats. But the first day, the start time was seven thirty in the morning, and that that was just brutal. I mean, they were fourteen hour days, um, not counting the social stuff afterwards. So uh, it was um
0: social stuff I don't know what you <laughs> speak of
1: It was a bit shocking and you know just trying to track where the kids are that you want to shoot and get it moving around the floor and moving around between people carrying gear you know I have three cameras that I carry with you know big lenses and so I um yeah it it was definitely shocking um I think it's cool I think it's something to be proud of you know in terms of Fargo happening and it being as big as it is um, I think it's a neat tournament but it is relentless and and w- the, the real mind twist is that you know you'll shoot a finals at something like 3 o'clock you know I'll, th- there are no windows open so your sense of day and night is skewed and so you shoot these finals and for most people that that's the end of the day and then you turn around and the juniors start up you know like right after the cadet finals or whatever and you've got men boys girls you know there are just so many divisions that um shooting the finals and then having to turn around and do another six hours of work or whatever the timing is uh is really will break your brain and power
0: you know your soul at least one day right um yeah the spirit now now one thing that was a surprise is is the start times usually it was like 9 9 9 and then at an 8:30 well now i mean we got earlier start times than ever cuz it's we didn't have The event last year, so people are showing up. It was also interesting is not a single cadet had wrestled in the tournament before. So you had nothing but first timers because the second year cadets, when it was canceled, they're now juniors. The first year cadets wouldn't have had a chance to wrestle in it last year. So now everybody was essentially wrestling in their first tournament. So they're they're going through it for the first time. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And we've got people that are coming out to it. Uh, as as i've got all these updates popping up on my screen right now gotta love live video uh you've got all these these kids coming out there for the first time not really knowing what to do and coaches who it's like what did we do two years ago and then it's the biggest event we've ever had because they they kind of opened it up it's like all right well we don't you know how are you gonna have qualifiers when some states are just coming back off a high school season some states didn't i mean it was it was a bit of a uh, of a madhouse just in terms of just total entries i mean Biggest tournament it's ever been. And it's it's setting all site all sorts of records. So long yeah. days, long days and long nights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of work took me a long time to get through. And normally, like if, if
1: without that many mats, I kind of know who the kids are. I can figure it out. And with that many mats and that many kids um, going through and processing and captioning correctly was a lot of work, you know, and I'll I'll shoot the match number um, just to remind me, but then having to go up and look that up, you know, and then sometimes I'll accidentally shoot a Konzi match, which I don't normally shoot. I mean, it will, if it's a kid that I like or whatever, but, um, it was, it was a lot of work to caption, um, as, as many matches as as many kids as I could. Right. So that you can then go to my website and, uh, search by your name. And, uh, if I've photographed you and I've captioned correctly, uh, your name would come up, as you could actually do right now. Jason Bryan
0: is in the in the database there. Yeah, we'll look that up. So um, you've got them filed by day. I mean, you've got what I like about when, you know, getting off to- topic a little bit about uh, what you do with events is you get the arena shots and things of that nature. So we look at, at just the full scale of what this actually looks like, which we can go full screen on. It. Yeah. And, I mean, just the monstrosity that is the Fargo Dome. I mean, we're over in Oslo uh, talking about uh, you know American wrestling, and they're like, oh, you know, we've got four mats out there, and then we show them something like Madison Square Garden at the NCAA championships, or then we show them this thing, and they're just like their jaws drop. It, it it's crazy to think about that. Just this type of event gets run every year. Yeah. Um, and from from a media perspective, I mean, when you attack something like this to shoot it, uh, you say you say you carry three cameras around, but I mean, how much did your plan actually have to change once you got on the floor and be like, this ain't gonna work? Well, yeah, um,
1: Fortunately, I have a fair amount of experience. So it's it's more about just adjusting and saying, OK, you know, what what is what is working and what do I need to change? Um, staying out with you till 2 a.m. was something I needed to change uh, after the first. That only nights. happened like I don't <laughs> even know how many days that happened. Um, But no, it, it doesn't. It's just managing my expectations. Like I'm not going to be able to get to Matt 25 from Matt 1 in enough time to cover you know this matter or that match, um, and so you're just like well, I just will not, I can't get there. Um, now t- to be to be f- full full disclosure, the you know I, there are a couple kids that I really really was looking forward to 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 shooting and and watching Russell. Um, the two kids that I mentor, um, Jude Swisher and Sam Herring, uh, who are of home at advantage, their own podcast. Um, so i you know once they started wrestling i was really kind of focusing on them and then and then the mats around and then when they weren't wrestling it's just sort of like well what mats have better light um what mats are compelling matchups once you get into the semifinals then you want to shoot that but the tricky thing there is that Matt one is on a big riser and Matt whatever seven uh that the other semifinals is down on the floor and so trying to like bounce back and forth between and really get the matches that um, have the name recognition and the kids that I want to watch and shoot. So yeah, it's just a lot of movement. Um, You're not sedentary at all. You just have to keep moving around and then maybe only bring in two cameras. And I mean, I will often leave one camera near a mat, just go shoot a couple, you know, one match and then come back and grab the camera, which I don't know. This is a lot of trust, but I don't think anybody's going to steal my cameras at an event like that.
0: Yeah, well, you, you could get the Sandy speech if somebody does, because uh, that's one thing that's been iconic with Fargo is these the Sandy speeches of don't climb over the railings. Uh, the, the Don Blazin game speech, uh, he hasn't announced it in, in probably 15 years at this point, the don't sit in the maroon seats. And then uh, we do not steal, which is uh, one of Sandy's calling cards is like when somebody like, you know, yanks a bag or a single. It's the we do not want you in our sports speech. And nobody wants to hear that because that is the wrath of Sandy and Fargo. It is like that's that that's all encompassing to get the full experience as you get. They're yeah. asking you not to climb over the rails. We we don't want to hear that speech, but sometimes you do. And then, uh, and of course, you know the maroon seats announcement. It used to be flies, man. They used to have the doors open. And the flies would be everywhere, and you just say the flies. Water is crazy. So Fargo's got all oh. sorts of nuances to it. Now, yeah. other things that that I've discovered about Fargo over the years. Of course, you alluded to the uh, the hours that one keeps. Uh, this has become more of a marketing trip for me, where I'm, I'm doing some interviews and such, and. It is, it is a grind to cover this thing, and thankfully, since the advent of technology, there's no more pairs bringing up those gigantic long bout sheets and vertical pairing that you have to go sort through. I used to have Team Virginia coaches coming over. All right, we're on you know, listening to the announcements. Okay, we're on 18, 17, and 12, and as a photographer, I can you know, imagine what that would be like back then, but even just trying to get to the mats to, to find your kids when you hear it, write it down, go – get the results just for one state it was a bit of a, a mess so uh, we've had track and now flow with with their technology make things getting text updates i mean uh, you talked about sam and jude i mean i was watching uh, pat tosse's kids uh, marco and nico uh, every match that they were wrestling uh, that i could before i had to had to leave early and it was just like it's so much easier to track now but it's still much bigger and it's such a monstrosity but Back yeah. to the the socializing thing. This is where this is where I joke that I've met everybody in wrestling. I mean, save you. I didn't meet you in Fargo because it was your first time there. But there is a lot of interaction with people that you may have just seen their name on Twitter or interacted with. Or or we're having dinner and a guy goes, oh, you're Tony Rotundo. I mean, you're yeah. a rock star. We go, oh, you're Jason Brown. You're, But you're Tony Rotundo. I mean, what, <laughs> what's it like to get the chance to meet some of those fans in that, it's in that awesome. type of perspective?
1: It's awesome. I love it. Um, that's why I do it. I mean, that's the feedback that... Um, I need to keep going. Right. Um, I mean, I do it be, I, I do this as a labor of love and to give back to the sport and I happen to be good at it, I think. Um, and so meeting people and getting that kind of feedback is, is thrilling and really, uh, is awesome and if they it, it's it's interesting i never really like trade shows um i've been in the tech industry for a long time and i never really like trade shows but this is like i love networking i mean i will start cu- talking to anybody if you know cl- whether they're wrestlers or not fans whatever um and i believe in my product and so and i I, you know, the product being photography. And so I'll pick up a conversation with the grandfather and they'll say, Oh, I've never heard of you before. And then I'll say, well, who's your kid. And then I'll go on my phone and look up their kid. And, you know, seven times out of 10, it's like they, I've got a photo of their kid, maybe from that day. And then they go, Oh, wow. Um, you know, what's your website and get my information and stuff. And you have got a new friend um, or a new fan. And uh, yeah, that, that it's, Awesome. It's totally awesome. And so, yeah, it really keeps me going. I I appreciate it a
0: lot. We did have a quick turnaround because we go we both of us did this and there's not too many people. I think we tried to figure out how many people actually did Fargo, Tokyo, Oslo there. There aren't very many. Uh, but we had to go i actually had to leave early my daughter got sick so i was a day and a half earlier didn't have a chance to check out the 50th anniversary celebration that they had which was a cool thing because this was last year was supposed to be the 50th of the junior nationals so they had to push that back so they had people that were some of the first timers that were there uh, people that have been in, involved in almost every single one of them or over 25 years i think is is the benchmark that they used. i know sandy we mentioned her she's announced all but one of them so uh she, you know she she jokes that she started when she was she was four but we we Get to the next step was Tokyo. So coming off of Tokyo, there were a lot of hurdles everybody had to jump through. Those of us that were allowed to go, we were fortunate enough to work it in our various capacities. But it was like getting jabbed up the nose, stabbed in the head, and I mean, I, I think I had three three COVID tests to get in the country. What was it like for you to get in, get in from San Francisco?
1: Well, it it was you know tedious. um Right as you said, we had to get a COVID test seventy two hours out just to then get a a second COVID test within 48 hours uh, or yeah, 48 hours of leaving, I think it was. And then a third COVID test in the airport. Um, I mean, you know, it's the Olympics. So it's like, you know, what wouldn't you do for the Olympics? Right. So um, you just, you just suck it up and, and, and get the test done. For me, I didn't even know if I was going for, you know, till pretty late in the process. Um, uh, there, there, you know, I didn't have a credential years ago. I mean, normally the, you know, you, the process is you, you apply two years out and then about a year out, you start getting, you know, you getting confirmation, um, and then credentials start rolling in. And so I wasn't confirmed for a long time. So I was a little bit nervous. Um, but it came through and, uh, then I'm like, well, I'll do whatever you need me to do, um, to get there. Uh, so it, it's inconvenient, but it, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, now it was a definitely a different type of Olympics. I mean, without, we we weren't really allowed to socialize so we literally went from we were in a media hotel or the I was in the UW hotel you were in a different hotel but for me there was a walkway from the hotel to the arena so i never deviated from that ever you know i went i ate in the hotel and i shot in the arena and just spent all my time you know i never socialized outside of that um i did take a bus ride down to the main media center because i had to get my vest so that was the only thing that i did that was like outside the arena or the hotel so that's a little bit weird it didn't really feel like the olympics in that regard. Um, no fans or just the teammates as fans was, uh, was kind of a bummer. Um, but the teammates, the, the, the cool thing, and I don't know if other did the, the U S team, they all stayed, um, to watch their teammates, you know, so the women's team stayed and watched the men's or whatever the, the, or was, um, and that was really cool to see because they and they made a lot of noise. And so it's rare for every person who's usually in the warm up area, including the trainers and the coaches, you know, all of everyone came out into the stands and made a lot of noise. They were they were like Iranian fan style noise makers by the US team, which was pretty
0: cool. The dance parties were also also quite popular amongst the training partners, even even the athletes. I know once once you know once Adeline was done, for example, uh, she's her and her sister Geneva, who was her training partner, up there just all over the dance camp. Um, we you know we could yeah, see right. the, the know, Brad Harper yeah, right. and, and one of the I think one of one of the um, the liaisons from the State Department were out there just just getting down. I mean, it was like a dance off with some some Italian women's wrestlers on on the screen. So I mean, that didn't involve the actual competition, but it just. It it provided a little bit of normalcy in terms of, you know, when you go to an arena in a stadium, I mean, we had, it was probably a 9,000 seat stadium based on how it was built. And, hmm, yeah, wasn't full. And it was, but we still created some atmosphere. Now, when it comes to shooting the games, you shot in Rio, you shot in Tokyo. Um, Obviously, the delay being what it was, it provided, uh, it was different. We saw things, but we also saw some amazing performances of course uh, you know yazdani and Taylor was was a crazy match Gable's late heroics was crazy Tamir Mensa stock becoming a, a media darling so uh, mm-hmm. when you when you put things into perspective as being an American shooting this for you know uh, as impartial media as you're supposed to be but there's that there's that like like that inner fist pump we all have when when our friends win and, and people that we've gotten to, to know over the years. And for me, my my great moment is being able to say, please rise for the national anthem, of the United States of America. What is your great moment as a photographer?
1: Well, c- capturing it. It, and then being able to present the photos to the athletes but um interestingly starting at the olympics and i don't know how long this will carry for, but um because there weren't fans the athletes would walk around to this thing they were it was it was a video link and so some parents or fans could um could join the the video call so like a zoom call and they had a big tv and the athletes would go over and you know be able to see their family and wave to them and stuff but the the athletes would then, you know, they, they hug their coaches, then they might wave to their family. And then I'm standing there and giving them a big hug. And that became really important and special to me. And then I, that happened a couple of times at the worlds as well. In fact, Adeline, um, adeline came off the mat and you know i'm never i don't want to throw myself at them and you know if you know what i mean like i but i'll I'll stand there and i'll be like hey i'm really proud of you and then kind of be like "Yeah, give me a big hug and adeline like hug me for the longest time but she's like since my dad isn't here i'm gonna give you a longer hug and that was just really that was cool um At the Olympics, there was this kind of like shoot behind the stands, behind where you were sitting, and they would come down that shoot before they got to the media or even USA Wrestling staff, Um, and that's where I was photographing it, and then I'd stop photographing, and they would walk kind of right into me, and uh, that became really, really special. Tamira was like, sorry, I'm sweating on you. And I'm like, are you kidding? This is like the best thing ever. Um, and as you said, you know, I'm, I'm friends with all of these wrestlers. So that became really special, you know, and I, I don't know if it will, if I'll have a chance to do that again. Um, but I was certainly taking advantage of it and really enjoying that moment.
0: Yeah, as far as I know, unlike UWW officials who uh, no longer get to officiate World and Olympic Championships when they turn 60, you've still got plenty of room to go and uh, there's no photography retirement age. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm going to keep
1: going for a while. It's just access, you know, being on the floor. Who who knows? Who knows if I'll get to the next Olympics? Who knows if I'll be on the floor for the next Worlds? I mean, um, the point being that uh, one thing I've learned, I mean, it's, it's common now. It's like appreciate the things that you have when you have them. Right. Don't don't be like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm hugging them now and I'll get to hug them every Worlds. That might not be the case. So um, I really it became very special to me um i hope it wasn't awkward for them i don't think it was um i certainly didn't make it awkward um they could have just walked past me and i didn't really do it for anyone who wasn't in a very jovial um state and like i didn't hug dake (laughs) you know he's not but i did hug david because david and i have known each other for a long time and i mean i photographed david when he was a freshman in high school um so way back in the iron man
0: yeah exactly exactly which I'm Which, going back uh, to understand you're going back to this year. Going back, yeah. I, I may be as it. well. So I haven't been since like 07 or 08. It's been a while. Yeah. Not 07.
1: Oh, yeah. You were. I have a photo of you there. In 07. Yeah.
0: I'm interviewing, I think, Boris Novatchkov. That's right,
1: that's right. I
0: am. I am rather rotund Uh, in uh, that area. I, you're rotundo. I'm rather rotund. But uh, yeah. So yeah. we can get on to the uh, what's coming up next. But uh, so we've got that the Olympics. And so when the processing time comes around, uh, yeah. you've got Fargo, which had been basically right before you go home, you grab another bag, you go to Tokyo. When you come down to to process Fargo and the Olympics, I mean, there's obviously you're going to do the Olympic stuff first. But uh, when when do you, you know, how do you prioritize your shots when you have back to back events like this?
1: Well, I really I wanted to get as much of Fargo done as I could before the Olympics and I almost finished it. I had two sets that I had to cover and complete when I got back, um, which had to wait until after the Olympics. So the Olympics would trump everything. And then a world's would trump the Fargo. And, um, but, um, I had, uh, I don't remember the timing, but I had maybe three weeks and I just grinded. I mean, it, it's not my day job, but I'll work late into the night. Uh, most nights, um, as I'm doing right now with the world stuff, Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's a long, tedious process. Um, there aren't a lot of people doing it, um, to the extent that I'm doing it, where it's going through thousands of photos per set, um, whittling them down to hundreds. Um, you know, so it might be 4,000, whittle it down to 250, then captioning them. Like I said before, so you have to look up who was wrestling and, you know, cut and paste that and then actually process the raw files um, to make them look good. And so that whole thing could take, you know, a day and a half per set. And, um, you know, so prelims, semis, finals. Um, so you're talking about potentially three three or four days per day of shooting uh, in a best case scenario. You know, it depends on my workload with my work and I manage a property and, I have a wife and two dogs and, you know, so I have other obligations. Um, So it's a, it's a long, tedious process, but uh, you know, this is the job in my, the way I look at it, it's like embrace the grind, right? It's getting up in the morning and doing, you know, getting, getting something done Um, starting, you know, right after work ends, and just, you know, working to dinner, eat dinner, work after dinner, wife goes to bed, I'm going to work. It's just a lot of a lot of work, but you know, I believe in my product. I believe in what I'm doing. Um, I don't put bad photos out, uh, you know. So everything gets gets a little bit of love. Every photo gets a little bit of love,
0: right? So um, it's a lot of love, I guess. <laughs> yeah. well, one thing you talked about about putting out bad photos, and over the years you've gone through. And and for those who don't know, Tony texts me. Pretty frequently during the week. I mean, if it's not every it's not every day, but it's, you know, a couple times a week with a, with a photo. Now now he's going through going and labeling the referees from mm-hmm. Fargo and, and going back through old uh, old, you know, galleries to like, OK, let me redo this. So, uh, one, why do you go back through the uh, the older stuff? What do you do to that? And, and why is it important for you to label people like the referees?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's like labeling everyone. I label you. I label Sandy. I'd label coaches. um Again, it's like what I'm trying. I see myself as a historian as much as um, a photographer, right? So, um, hopefully, the website stays up uh, for a very long time, uh, which is something that I've been thinking a lot about how to how to how to keep a website going for fifty years. Yeah, how do you future proof
0: something that you don't really know? Like, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, even looking back at like my I first started the website in 1997. I mean, yeah. the technology there is still there, but it's not there.
1: Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm going back for, for two reasons. You know, the first five years that I shot, I didn't have my own website. I was shooting with John Sachs and it w- they would go up on his website and they were like tiny images. And the l- labeling and captioning was just text in an HTML document. So not even tethered to the photo itself. So there's a lot of old content that's not that is not now in, in that. Then in, um, I don't know, four years ago, I moved everything over to SmugMug. And so you have the stuff that was on John's site, you have the stuff that was on my old site that nobody goes to, and now SmugMug. So I'm trying to move as much as I can over to SmugMug. And so I'm going back and shooting, say, like old NCAA tournaments. So now all NCAA tournaments are captioned correctly and on my SmugMug site. Um, And invariably, when I go into those old files to caption them correctly, um, I'll be like, well, this photo could get touched up a little bit and then wind up reprocessing all of the NCAA tournament from like 2009. Um, And that was what I did during covid my wife thought I was insane because she's like, How could you still have so much work? And I'm like, Well, first of all, it's a finite amount, so it can't go on forever. And second of all, um, I wanna I wanna update the photos. They're good photos, they but I they don't look great and they're not on my website where you can search by name. You know, you could search now if you search Jordan Burroughs, you get all this cop stuff that I shot included and then all the the open senior stuff. Um, so it's just, you know, being that historian and being that thorough and caring, you know, about like, I've got all this great content that no one's seen or they haven't seen in years. And so I want to pull it over to my Smug Mug site.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? Lucky. in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm just sitting here when I play around with photos. I mean, I've got a couple cameras. I got a 60D I, I shoot with. It's Canon. I got a couple. You know, mirrorless cameras that I'm using for webcams, like this guy here, uh, that I just got from uh, got somebody. So I can get, I can deck out the, the, the speakeasy with with a, uh, appropriate cameras. But I'll sit there and be playing with Lightroom, and I'll be like, oh, oh, just the little the little tweaks you can do to make yeah. what 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 the normal human thinks is that. Oh, that looks like a good shot to me. Like, oh, that's awesome. I mean, it, when when that unfolds before your eyes, I mean, you you giggle a little bit. It's like, oh, that's looking good
1: yeah i do (laughs) um that gives me you know that keeps you going right and so there's a lot of artistry to it right so um you you got to be at a tournament you got to be at the mat you got to you know you you got to have the right gear you've got to fire at the right time but then the art starts right so um you know what you do to a photo how you manipulate it how you tweak it um is important and, uh, you build a style or a voice, uh, as it were. Um, and you may not even intentionally do that. I mean, people are now are like, Oh, I recognize your photos versus, you know, the other shooters. Um, and you know, I think they, they like, I, I, you know, the saturation is good and the contrast is good. And again, I, I really don't put out anything bad if it's blurry or not a good shot, I'll toss it. Um, so I, I take pride in that craft of the artistry of photo processing and um, yeah, it's important to me and I'll go back like the light conditions that I process in will affect at times um, the photos. So I might process quickly in an Italian restaurant, um, you know, with you guys at a lunch break and then I'll come back home and, I'll be like, oh, those are all too orange or too blue or whatever. And I'll go back and redo it um, because it's that important to me, right? Um, It sucks to have that. I'll do it uh, for sure. Um, Or – it, this happens a lot. The first day of tournament, I'll process to a certain, you know, what I, what I think is good. But then over the course of the next eight days, I'll be like, oh, if I just tweak the, the red slider just a little bit, or I tweak this slider or that slider just a little bit, the shots are coming out better. And so that's when, you know, by the ninth day, I've, I've got it dialed in better. So I'll go back and reprocess day one and two, or up until I've kind of figured some of those things out. So. Yeah, it it happens. Um it that actually is happening right now with Worlds. Um I've finished the first two days full sets of the first two days and uh had to kind of redo redo it a little bit. But you know, for me skin tone is the most skin tone is the most important thing. And this kind of gets to like if I'll cry if I walk into an arena like a high school gym or something and it's just like oh and they have a red mat. A red mat is just the, just the bane of my existence, right? Cuz I'll know that it's going to take me twice the amount of time to get that to look good uh, versus really good light and say a blue mat or a white
0: mat. So, you know, well, why, why is that? That's one thing that I was, okay. So why, why would it take any longer? Is it just, I mean, cause, because yeah, the, the, the light reflects off the mat
1: and then um, so that red light will, so then you have, in most cases you have like um, a white to, you know, our, our skin tones are wonky, right? And then, and then people, you know, get flushed in the face um, as they're wrestling. And so you're just talking about flooding, you know, an already somewhat red face um, with white athletes, at least um, with more red. And so trying to then adjust that to a natural looking skin tone is extremely difficult. And so it, it, it just takes more time. Um if it's a particularly good photo, I'll even go in and do some touch ups like on their face to lighten it and then and get the color correct. But um yeah it's a lot of work and it yeah, like Stanford, their uh their dual meets are in this old gym that has orange wooden bleachers everywhere and then red brick and then they'll wrestle on a red or black mat and it's just like oh gosh this is just painful to go through and you know have to really work hard at least a dual meet you know which is a set of 250 shots but it'll take me a while to get them right
0: yeah so we've got uww mats are, are dark blue purplish hue if you will with with the uh the orange zone and then like at the olympic trials we had a white mat with a gray zone and a blue protection area so I mean, guess who, I guess, guess who came up with that? You did. Thing. That's why that, that's where I'm getting to is why is the white the best shot? Why is that, mat at the Olympic trials better than, say, the the darker mat, which looks good on television?
1: Yeah, well, technically, I think gray might be the absolute best color, like a light gray. But why it's again, it comes down to reflective light. And so if you're shooting without a flash. Right. And so then, you know, let's say you have two people or uh, head to head. Right. And their collar tie. Right. Um, you. On a white mat, all this light is going to bounce off the white mat and come up and fill the dark areas of like where their heads are. Right, um, the darker mat you have, the less fill light you're going to get that's reflected off of the mat itself. So that's why I was suggesting to uh, USA Wrestling. I mean, this is th- this is a big deal for me that they called and said, "Hey, we're designing the Olympic." Mats and we'd, or the Olympic trial mats, and we'd like to get your opinion on what you think. And my thing was like anything but red, Um, even that out of bounds area or the caution area the caution circle, like, cause they were thinking, you know, kind of a red, white and blue motif with like white and then red and then blue. And I was like, uh, it, I'll do anything if you don't, because you go from white and then they get over the red area or the blue area. And it's just like the color completely changes and, um, very difficult to process those shots
0: and have them look good. Um, Yeah. All right, switching you, gears. We we were talking about the mats there. The mats we had in Oslo were the traditional UWW, kind of purplish-orange. But Oslo, I mean, we actually got to interact. We weren't, you know, in Tokyo, you were in the APA. I was at a, a hotel. It wasn't, I mean, I could see your hotel for mine out the window. It was weird. It's like, because we were joking that me, you, and Taylor Miller were all, like, we were all in close proximity to each other, but we couldn't see each other. The only time I saw anybody was the very, very last night before I left is, mm-hmm. is the, the Team USA social. And they were actually... Not even in the village. They were in the hotel, like literally, you know, 20 meters uh, away from me. And which like mm-hmm. I had to I got to walk 200 meters. Uh, and actually, I was supposed to take a car two kilometers around the block until somebody else needed the car. And then they said, OK, you can walk. So I'm walking outside. Guy, I got tested probably six, seven times there. But we get to Oslo mm-hmm. a week before we get there. Uh, first of all, we have to go through some some hurdles to get through, although they only need an antigen test to get in. Uh, although certain America, you know, we had to have be on a list to get in. That was the biggest thing: is trying to fight through the Delta Gate agent. In my case, to oh no, we're on a list for this event. We can get there. We're allowed to be here because they didn't allow Americans in for tourism purposes. It had to be a specific reason. And we get there, and a week before we get there, they just. I mean, I don't want to get into a mask situation debate here, but it was weird to go there. All the masks are gone. I mean, we were the only ones wearing masks. We're, were basically us. Uh, yeah. you know, it was just like really strange it's like, wow, it's like nothing ever changed here. And that first Saturday night we were there. The place was a madhouse.
1: Yeah, it was. People it was like New Year's every weekend. Um, they were really excited to I mean they they did a lot of they it was hard work, right? They sacrificed and um got their numbers to a point where uh they felt comfortable, um, you know, with no mask mandate. And we happened to arrive about a week after that. So
0: yeah. I, yeah, it, was, it was strange. I mean, we were still masking up in, in, in the tight proximities and places. And then there were, yeah. when there were, we had some space and we were just around us, just full disclosure, people. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things like we're well, still like,
1: woohoo. We were getting tested daily. So, yeah. you know, there was that. And granted, those tests aren't 100%, but they're pretty accurate. And so, um, you know, it's not like we, being we on a strip or, or anything. Lot. Right. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, being around each other, we were it relatively safe, um yeah, so, so because we were being tested so much
0: It was like a, a real event, so Brian Hazard, I get to bring him over with me at the uh started in Sultan because when there's a nine day event, even as as somebody who talks a lot. As because people know I talk a lot. Uh, if you've watched any of these shows or listened to any of my shows for, for years, you know I talk a lot. I get paid to talk. Well, when you're paid to talk for nine days, the voice doesn't always hold up. So in Budapest, it was like, by the, by day four, I was like, no, Russ, I was just trying to save something for the end. Uh, and oddly enough, there was Greco at the end, because the Hungarians love the Greco just like the Norwegians do. And so it, they had basically a three-man group of us, me and Hazard, uh, announcing, he actually got uh, called into duty to do the broadcast for freestyle, which he was going to do. And then I think Alina Fokin got sick. Yes, I can say that on the radio. And then uh, Mark Madsen was supposed to also do Greco. And so Hazard got thrown into emergency duty as a color commentator with Sean Kenny, who ended up being part of our little little crew there that we got. To, we walked around. I mean, some days we Tony. T- why did why did we walk to the venue? It's a fifty minute walk. Oh wait, it was delightful. It was
1: awesome because Oslo is beautiful and it wasn't raining that day. and But it rained uh, every day. It it, it's like central Florida,
0: but the entire time.
1: Yeah. Um, and to get some exercise um, because the exercise is good.
0: I think I, mean, I had a 15,000 step day one day, the day we walked. Well, the day I walked. Yeah. I walked back once and to there once. One day I was, I was like, you know what? I don't need to be there. I didn't have to work the morning session as much. So. I got in a cab and then there's Tony just power walking up <laughs> you look walk like fast, a mall so. walker with a headphones on, like ready to go going up yeah, that okay. hill. That last stretch there, but Oslo, it was, um, it was cool. I mean, a lot of fish. Um, I thought, I thought <laughs> UWW did a great job. I thought the Norwegian Federation did an amazing job mm-hmm. in hosting us. They had a guy named Hans who was kind of like a, an MC down on the floor, like we had in Paris. We also had them in Budapest, but I thought the Norwegians did a great job at putting it on, and, and UWW has gotten this to the point where they' really got a team together they've got the the production team they've got of course the announcing team they've got the media team uh, which we had a great dinner we'll talk about that in a minute but it, it's it's like they've got this down to a science and it's like you're it's gonna be pretty much the same every time out which is refreshing having gone through what was Tashkent in
1: 2014 yeah um I think that 2013 you know it, this is a product of 2013. And almost uh, being uh, eliminated from the Olympics as a sport, um, I think they did some soul searching and were like, "Hey, we need we need a better product. We need to learn how to produce the product, and uh, we need media teams, we need announcing teams, we need all of this stuff." And they built out the infrastructure to do it, and now they have playbooks and um, they execute those playbooks. Um, there, you know, I'm sure there are areas and room for improvement, um, areas that I'm not involved in. Um, you know, so, uh but i I think that they've come a real long way, and I think the product is is pretty dang good at this point, for sure,
0: yeah, one thing uh, that we we added or they added rather in that case because uh, in the Olympics, I wasn't part of the uWw team i was with with uh Dentsu, which was hired by great big events, which was organizing committee type stuff. and the referee, jury of appeal, Antonio Silvestri and, and his crew there. They are actually explaining the call in a review situation and the amount of transparency that that adds and the amount of clarity that that adds to what did they see. And it's 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 over the PA system. They hear they have they're mic'd up. They've got the videos. They've got it right there and they're talking to the fans They're talking to the rest. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to ever agree with everything or they might disagree with the call, but it's just like. It's just that much more of a of, a, of a, a real good spectator environment. Be like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Oh, they just told me what's going on. It's yep. pretty freaking cool.
1: It's very cool. I think that the NCAA should adopt it uh, for sure. Uh, explaining, you know, Sylvester doesn't like w- what happens is there will be a review and then the, the review committee will have, you know, multiple camera angles and they'll be able to dial frame by frame. Uh, they'll confer and then uh, mr silvestri will pick up a microphone and he'll say you know challenge on matt b ah. he'll, uh, he'll say he'll say ah uh, because he's uh he's an Italian German so it's yeah. just ah ah um and he'll he'll give a, depending I mean sometimes he'll say something like the You know, like like there was one instance where the whistle was blown prematurely. Right. And Mm -hmm. so they were kind of going out of bounds and there would have been continuation and there would have been points scored. But the official um, blew the whistle and they knew that because the officials, you know, kind of do this with their arms. Um, They don't have audio. We we did confer that. But um, he said Red would have scored four points on continuation. However, the official blew the whistle. And so no points and yeah,
0: inadvertent whistle happens in every sport, sadly,
1: sadly. And that official never came back for the next two days, but um, which is sad. But, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's like it's probably hard for him to have to say that into a microphone. But it's really cool that they're doing that. It's um, it's a big step
0: forward, I think, for transparency of the officiating, for sure. What were some of the coolest things that you I mean, we 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 were pretty much in the same spots. We found a cool little Italian joint, but from your perspective, what do you think some of the coolest things about Oslo were, whether it be wrestling or, or about the city itself?
1: Well, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's an expensive city and it's um there's a there's very. pretty high taxing, but um so but they're putting that money towards um you know, it's it's just a very beautiful, clean city. Um, the people are incredibly friendly and nice like even in uh crowded gatherings if you bump into somebody it's just all apologies and and that sort of thing so um it'll be really a norwegian
0: really first people. and then you look at them funny and then they'll say it in english yeah right right exactly it's like uh, uh english oh yeah sorry hello <laughs> yeah yeah uh the people are
1: are great and it's it's beautiful i mean i didn't i mean really to get to explore properly you know it's like the walk to the arena um that kind of thing um, there were ferry ride trips out to the fjords and stuff that we didn't get a chance to do
0: um, just because there wasn't enough time. So yeah, I'd one like of those things back. where you wake up, you're just like, do I sleep in because mm-hmm. I need the sleep because it's these are long days or do I just or I'll go on a ferry? Yeah. You know, Sean Kenny was with us again. He's uh, he did a great job on the broadcast. He, he was like, yeah, I went to I did some fjords, you know, and he's the one that found our, our little Irish pub. Cause, uh, which ended right. up being like one of the gems of the trip, too. Um, yeah. You know, the Irish guy making fun of the Norwegians singing American rock and roll.
1: Yeah. That
0: was. Welcome fun. to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, that was, it was a good time for sure. Uh, we haven't even yep. really talked much about the team performances, but again, because, uh, you know, everybody yeah. you can, you can talk to your blue in the face about how good Team USA did. What did we do wrong here or there? I, I just like to focus on the things that. If you're going to go to one of these events or if you're thinking about going to a world championship or, you know, when when we can go back to the Olympics or go to a world team trials, the the quality of athlete on display across all walks of life is, is, is remarkable. I mean, we saw the retirement of Stig Andre Birhe of Norway. He was an Olympic medalist, huge national hero there, brought his son out on the mat. It was a real moving experience. A lot of people were like, it's just, you know, you get the, you catch in the fields. You're like. I don't even I've never met the guy and it's just like I, I I'm I'm good I need to, yeah. yeah and Dusty. then and you then you see and then the you had a Japanese wrestler retire you had a Moroccan just come out there I mean it's just just the reverence and then officials I mean there was a pretty good response for those officials that that again we we alluded to it earlier that you can't uh referee at the world championships beyond the age of 60. Some people uh Tim Pearson from the United States had a chance to ref his first world championship and we had American referees who were ranked higher stepped away to give guys like Tim a chance to at least do a world championship. He got his one and only shot and and he got a nice send off like some of the the seasoned veterans did. So it was pretty cool to see even even those, you know, cuz they're they're not, you know, full-time salaried on this type of thing too. They're, they're taking time off of work where, wherever they're from and, and Tim's a Virginia guy. So I'm, I'm going to give him a little plug there, but uh, you know, just seeing all the retirements, it's a special thing. I mean, there really is a reverence to the sport that mm-hmm. uh, w- what you really do see on another level when you go see it uh, overseas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's again, it's an honor to be there and it it is, it is a lot of fun and yeah, gets very emotional um, for sure. You know, I I uh, photographed him. He was, he walked off the, um, Sir, Sir, what's his name?
0: Stig Andre Berge
1: Yeah, ex- that. That
0: guy, Stig. Um, Stig. Uh,
1: the Norwegian the dude his, who retired, how about that? Right, they came off the mat with his son and is walking along the mats and, you know, I'm f- shooting it and he's crying. And the cool thing is, I mentioned this to you or someone that the son was, uh, you know, he was probably three um, and uh, he didn't realize what was going on, I don't think. And here's you have one generation, the father who's retiring, who's crying, and you have this kid who's just sucking his thumb and watching his dad. and you know, doesn't realize like he will probably wrestle, maybe not, but it's like his whole life ahead of him, and then the father who's retiring from the sport that he loves, that he's done his whole life. I thought that was really touching. Yeah, it's neat. It, it was, was there were there were a lot of emotions running that this particularly because of covid and everything like um yeah, you know, people getting back to the sport they love.
0: Yeah, and this guy had an opportunity to retire. I mean, he's Steves from from Oslo. I mean, he's mm-hmm. retiring in his hometown, not Many wrestlers will have that opportunity ever in the world. Now, yeah, for sure. We, we move forward. We're going in uh, college seasons. Practice has mm-hmm. started. Granted, the California community colleges have been wrestling for a couple of weeks now. Uh, obviously, it's often the, the forgotten college system. But uh, you've had a chance to shoot some of those, those guys out there over the years. And then we have practice starting with all of our, our four-year and then our, our NJCAA teams are starting up. I mean, as we get back to normalcy to a point, we're still probably going to have, you know, Guys have to miss matches because of of positives and such like that. But we we look at the college wrestling season as as it's as it's upcoming. I, I did a little video the other day of the the thirteen weekends as of now that I know that I'm going to be on the road, which means we've got work, we've got wrestling, we've got busyness, we got stuff to talk about. So, what are you yeah. most looking forward to to getting back for the for the college and high school season?
1: Um, Stanford. Yes, because, absolutely. Uh, you know I, I'm super excited about that program uh, I I live in San Francisco and so Stanford is 40 minutes away from me so it's my my school my D1 school um, and so I was weeping when uh, when the program was gonna be dropped and then it's rejoiceful as he could be um, when it was reinstated uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what Rob and Vincenzo um, and Enoch do there um, and, um, kind of, you know, they're, I mean, there are a number of people who photograph them, but, um, yeah, it's my, my D1 school for sure. Um, CKLV tournaments is getting back to college tournaments. Um, so I'll be in Vegas shooting that hopefully Yanni, you know. Goes hopefully. Gable goes. Who knows if Gable's going to wrestle there? Um, he might be a second semester. He might be taking some time off. I'm not, I'm not sure what his plan is um, in terms of the first semester. But uh, yeah, um, cool tournaments. Doc B Ironman would be great. Um, but I guess overall, just just getting back into it, right after after having it um, be delayed for. Oh, you know, a year, at least a year. Right. It's, I guess it's, it was one full year for high school really. So yeah, a lot of, um, seeing the kids, seeing, seeing the coaches, you know, these are all friends of mine. So just kind of getting back into the, into the grind of it. I'm um, getting some good shots. Um, it, it is interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm pushed to work incredibly hard shooting for UWW and I, I embrace that. It's part, it's the job. Um, but I was just, I was thinking about this, this morning that like, when I shoot on my own for my own thing, so like CKLV, um, it's like, if you're pushed that hard, then you go do, it's, it's kind of like running with a weighted belt or a weighted backpack or whatever, you know, and then you go run without that. You're like, hey, this is, this is a lot easier. So it, having to grind that hard shooting at worlds and then doing a two day at uh CKLV or, or something or a high school tournament is like. Oh, this is nice. This is this is (laughs) nice. Like this, I could I could do this, you know, every weekend. Um, can carry three or four of these. You know, (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, or like Fargo. Like I don't have to run. You know, I don't have to run across the Fargo Dome. You know, four hundred times in a day carrying gear. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to to some of those and getting some great shots and getting them out quick.
0: Um, and yeah, just just doing what I do. Wrapping things up, we'll go back to Fargo just a little bit. Um, speaking of the photographies, uh the photography world, we lost one of uh, one of our media friends, uh, photographer Wyatt Schultz, uh, passed away. I believe. Um, August twenty first, if I'm not mistaken, and he was last time a lot of his saw him was in Fargo, mm-hmm. uh, for years in Fargo. Obviously, well, your first Fargo, you didn't to experience the entire entirety of why it's easy cheese and his mm-hmm. Oreos, and you know he, he he would bring pallets of this stuff. I mean, he, he drove a truck, so he had a lot of, a lot of weird Oreos and, and, and snack foods that he would always bring. Like JB got you some Oreos and a big old smile. Like, where did you get these mint candy cane? Uh, you know, it's just, no. he was always, uh, you know, he'd always have the predicament pens. He'd be out there shooting. Uh, I, I remember spending a new year's Eve with his, his wife at the clash, but Fargo's really where I got to know Wyatt over the years. And then uh, we've, we've seen him at, at wrestling events, a guy that's again, like you, he, it wasn't his first primary way of, of doing things. You know, there's a job that finances the whole wrestling hobby and, Wyatt uh, Wyatt was a, was it was a character and c- cared a lot about the sport. So uh, well, what what are we going to miss about Wyatt from your perspective?
1: Yeah, um, well, he had a great sense of humor and um, I never got to experience the snacks. Um, he didn't bring those to every tournament. Uh, I think it was probably just Fargo. And I, I spent I really, nine
0: days in Fargo. You're going to need something other than Buffalo Wild Wings. So he yeah, supplied that's that. True. Yes. That's
1: true. Yeah. Um, just the camaraderie. And, you know, we we as photographers, you don't you don't get to spend as much time together and then, you know, you might be seated or standing in a different area. So um, we didn't spend a lot of time uh, together, but um, I appreciated the time that I did get with him. Um, He's a good dude and he was passionate about it. He loved the sport and that came through um, just getting to events and photography, his photography and stuff. I mean, he loved it and you could see that in his work.
0: That'll wrap up this particular episode of Short Time. We're going to tell you to check out the site right here. If I can do the little graphics, I'm still working on the whole like, you know, we finally got the video situated here. Wrestlersorwarriors.com. You can go right there. Uh, we had it up on the screen earlier. You go search yourself, search your kids, search your grandkids, search your ref- – if you're a referee, yeah. Uh, you want to see where you're at. You're down there making the swipes, whether it be on, yeah. on, on the folk style or doing the two on the freestyle. Uh, you're there. Tony's been diligent with it. I, and I've got the uh, the screenshots from his computer to prove it on the phone. On uh, And if I don't know him, I'm texting Sammy Julian. And so I think we're 100 for – like 150 for 150 in, in identifying uh, officials throughout the past – at least at this point, I know there, there were some 2006 NCAA championships in there that you were going. I was like, I remember that guy. Wait, that's yeah. Fred Ambrose. We know that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the fun part about it. But Tony... They uh, fix. what's, what, what's one thing that, uh, that you can pitch to them? Where can they find you on social media? You're doing the stuff on the, the Instas of the grams and the, uh, the socials and whatnot. So if they're not familiar with where you can already find Tony Rotundo and wrestlers Are warriors, where can they do that?
1: Well, they can, uh, it's wrestlers, are warriors.com is the main website, um, on Twitter. I think it's Tony Rotundo, um, on Facebook, it's Tony C. Rotundo, And on Instagram, it's tonyrutondow which stands for Wrestlers Are Warriors. And uh, yeah, reach out if you need anything or you like what you're seeing. Um, I really appreciate the feedback.
0: Uh, It keeps me going. All right, thanks, Tony, for chiming in. We've had a, a had a good hour discuss. I mean, this that just scratches the surface, but uh, you know, there's 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 stories Shoot. that we're gonna have and share. If you're gonna find us at a tournament and you want to ask us some questions, I'm sure we can fill you in on some of the things, including uh why an entire Irish bar in Oslo was singing country roads. Yep. I think that's that's the best play to end it. So for Tony Rotundo, for I'm not. Jason Bryant. Thanks for jumping into the Speakeasy here on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. See ya. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Sportswear. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. Hey, you know what? Did you like the show? You want to hit that subscribe button? MattTalkOnline.com slash listen. Various different ways to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And if you're already subscribed and you're already listening you love the show and you want to support this show and this network, MattTalkOnline.com slash join the team. Become a team member today.